All right, here we go. Welcome back. You are listening to Only the Important Stuff. I am your host, Jeff Heinrich. Uh, this episode, I think, is coming out like January 30th. I don't know, whatever Monday that is. Uh, seven days from the day we're recording it. But uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate you checking this out. Uh, today I have on one of my good old buds uh, from the Army, from my Army days, um, Mr. Brad Carlson. Welcome to the podcast, brother. How you been? Well, I want to do my joke again, but it's not going to be as funny this time. And that is long time listener, first time caller, but, uh, yeah, you're doing well. You've been, uh, you've been an active, you've been very actively engaged with me, uh, ever since you, you found out I was doing it and I appreciate that, which is part of why I wanted to do this. Right. It's like, I don't, I mean, you know how it is. You just get fucking lost in life, right? Like, uh, and I don't mean that negatively, like, but just life just starts oh. to happen. You drift away. Uh, and this has been, it's been a hell of a lot of fun, like texting you and like getting your reactions um, based on everything. And I know you, you, uh, yeah, you said you, you had like 10 minutes you wanted to fire off. So I don't know if you want to do well, that to start or at the end. That was my thought. We were recording for eight minutes and seven seconds. Um, but I got to get some stuff out, bro. First and foremost, yeah, my mind is blown that you think you're big. I my don't. Mind is blown. My mind is blown that you and Rocky together <laughs> think you were big. <laughs> I remember meeting you guys, and I looked at you guys. I was like, oh, these guys are cool. Like, I'm sure they, like, played gymnast um, in high school or something. But, like, to hear these stories, I'm like, in what, in, in what world? And then to hear what, what was her name today? Was it uh, Anna? Did I, Anna? Anna, yeah. Yeah, everyone's an intimidate. I'm like, did he work at an elementary school? Well, I remember. <laughs> do you remember the first time you uh, you interacted with me in basic? Yeah, uh, yeah, yes ish, yes ish, and that's uh, you know I, I do want to like... stand next to a dude who I, I met and was like, okay, cool. I have one singular friend here, yep. and we went to get in formation. I'm like, hey, can I stand next to what? Uh, what? Are you guys boyfriends? I went, yeah. So can I stand next to him? Yeah. I'm like, no, I know. Yeah, guy. You look like a fucking chicken bone. I'd snap you if you just <laughs> fucking piped off at me. <laughs> oh, this is off to a great start. This is off to a great start. So, yeah, Brad, tell everybody how we met. Uh, so basic training, uh, 2003, November-ish. Uh at our one station unit training, since you guys couldn't remember it, called OSUT. And yeah, we were in the <laughs> That's platoon. right. That's what it's called. <laughs> you were, uh, you, you ended up being my platoon sergeant. I was one of your section leaders. And there was uh, the Quattro de uh, Amigos de Quattro or Quattro de Amigos, yes. something like that. You and me, Lohmeyer, uh, and uh, Sean Lamb. Yeah, I was going to say, and Lamb. Yep, yep, and so that was how we met. Uh, Rocky was in third platoon, which was across the the DMZ, and I'm air quoting that. Yeah, the and, worst platoon. Uh, and and that fucking jackass. Uh, remember when I had to go out on a profile? That dude smoked me for like five minutes in the hallway. So I thought he was drill sergeant Drury because I had to go down there and talk to him. <laughs> and he smoked me inside his office. It was a ten. 
legit had me like, oh man. And the verses I kept like, uh, drill sergeant, I can't do uh monkey fuckers. I'm on a profile <laughs> to do this. And I wasn't about to sell the drill sergeant. I couldn't do a second one. So I started doing them. I hear him laughing like two minutes later. I'm like, this motherfucker. It was a good one. Well played. That's that's brilliant. <laughs> I loved it. That he was inside the office fucking off. That was the other best part of it. Right. Um, oh, and then uh, Ross, listen, brother, you want to know why the Vikings lose at everything? Because they don't have fucking fanatics. Their shitbag fans are too busy. If you were a fanatic, mm-hmm. your team would win. And Ross proves that with the Chiefs. So I'm fully in Ross's camp that the entire, the entirety of your group of friends, your core of friends, yep. Justin, listen to this. Um, your brother, yep. bags. I'm just gonna come out and say it. It is what it is. That's right. We are right. Um, I mean, listen. Not my opinion. It's just a fact. It's science. It's correct. That is correct. That is correct. Uh, we did that. Dude, I busted that out in less than four minutes. We're good. We can go on with any other topic you'd like to cover. Are you feeling good? Yeah, I mean, like it, yeah. it felt like that was a lot, and it had been weighing on you. Dude, I, since you hit me up to be on this podcast, and I, I went back and looked, but when I so I went back to listen to your podcast just to support you, and, and you know I got time to kill all my life. Um, and I was I was going through, and I'm listening. I listened to Ross because I texted you about that Ross dude, and I'm like, dude, this dude's slaying me. I'm I'm falling out, and I'm like, huh, am I gonna beat Rocky on? And then I realized that my phone didn't like show me all of them, and I'm like, oh, there's Rocky. Okay, cool. <laughs> That makes more sense because I was going to shit talk the fuck out of Rocky if I got on this before he did. So he won, which is fine and fair. You guys were closer friends, and I accept that. I, um, I always found it. Uh, it's like you were like my first friend in the Army. I would I would categorize right like if if you have to break it down and I I don't like doing that you just you're one of my good friends I'm the first best friend but then we weren't best friends I had another one yeah, yeah I we broke up um yep. but yeah like we we lived together for a while and then when you got out Rock moved in and so on and so but you guys kind of always yeah I always felt like you two were oil and water. Yeah, <laughs> and or you like neither of you would back down you'd always talk shit to each other and i was always like god this is making me really uncomfortable i don't because one of the reasons like why i like so you know I, you're joking slash probably half not i don't know but people did kind of look at me weird like right like they, they because i was bigger i had a deep voice and you never like you just you instantly thought well, I'm going to fucking talk shit to this guy. I'm going to make fun of him. And I loved that, right? Like, we would just, it was like instant, yeah, just like guys being dudes, right? Like, talking shit to each other. Um, you'd come at me. We'd start wrestling, right? Like, I mean, from day one. And we'll get into the wrestling and you knocking out my tooth, but that's that's another story for later in this, but yes. Yeah, we'll yeah we'll, we'll we'll touch on that, but yeah. So like, whenever you two were together, I was always like, God damn it! Like, could you guys just get along once? I love you know, I love you both. Like, just fucking be cool with each other. <laughs> the problem is, you know, like I mean, even if Rocky was on right now, I, th- I, I, I at least from my perspective, I really enjoyed hanging out with Rocky. Um, For sure, but a hundred percent oil and water, like. And hey, just different let's interests. Turn left. We're turning right. Right. Like Rock wanted to, you know, go out and get fucked up all the time. 
which, yeah. which is what you do when you're 21, you know, and like he lived a crazy life and you're like, yeah, I just don't give a shit about that. I'd rather just hang out, you know, and have fun with the boys. And he was always wanting to go out. And so like, that was always a little bit of a push pull there, but yeah, like, oh, those were some, and I, I love hearing this, that he smoked you. <laughs> That's the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. Uh, bro, it was right after that, that my, after I got that second butthole. And uh, yeah, dude, I don't remember what I had to go down there for, but I had to go down there and uh, check in with him on something. And what? You know, drill sergeant, Private Carlson, request permission to speak. What? Drill sergeant, reporting for drill sergeant Jennings. Fucking do some monkey fuckers. True sergeant, I'm on a profile. Dude, so fucking great. That's what a what a fucker. I Which loved it. it. I, I mean had roles probably, had the roles been reversed, you'd have done the exact same fucking thing. Absolutely. And that's why it's so funny because I'm like, you piece of shit. And right now, and of course, because we weren't like ever, you know, you guys went to GO together and yeah. I went down to uh Casey. So it's not like I ever got like a chance to even come back. And when we were in Kentucky. Were you and him uh, platoon mates in Kentucky, or did you guys? Were you guys just nope. close? Nope, never. We <laughs> just spent the full year together in Korea. Right. Right. So, so when we came back, I mean, like you said, dude. I, uh, I mean, I liked to go out to, to Louisville, but dude, uh, when we got that apartment, I got broke really, really fast. So I just couldn't go out and party. Yeah, and had I stayed in the barracks, I probably would have been more interested in going out. But I just didn't have money to go out and fuck off like I wanted to. Why the fuck did we move off base? Bro, Rocky's friend, dude. I don't remember who it was. Rocky will know exactly. Short little dude who got busted up for cocaine. Fat motherfucker, Fisher. bro. Fisher, yes, yeah, dude. Fish. Yes. Oh, Hawthorne Heights was hot right then. He loved that band because I had a plane. Oh, this is my favorite band. Anyways, that little fuck. Oh, hey, dude. Uh, look, I got this apartment. Uh, it's all inclusive. And so you and I were like, fuck yeah, let's go. And so we went down there, and the gal's like, no, it's not all-inclusive. This is the rent, and this is about what you'll pay in water and electricity. And you and I were like, well, fuck, we're kind of committed. Yeah. And the the barracks, like, I don't remember what your barracks situation was, but mine, like, do they have room for me in my own barracks? I had to go, like, sleep at a, another set of barracks with, like, a different uh, different platoon uh, with, like, HQ or one of those, like, one of the supply guys. So I was like, fuck this. I'm not even with my team, like. I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that was, it was similar to, you know, you just, you come back, it's a new unit. You don't know people. Uh, As soon as you realize like what you can do, you just like try to find a way to like be with the people that you could be with. Right. And so like, I just jumped at it, but you're absolutely right. I had no business doing it. Like rent was free. Food was free. Utilities were free. And we're like, nah, let's just go spend 500 a month on this. And we you know barely made I, that. I make four fifty nine. I should go spend five hundred dollars a month. I right. will sell my laptop at the pawn shop. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So dumb. So dumb. Private shit. Yeah, really, just dumb private shit. Uh, but that's what you do when you're in the army. Yeah. Uh, and then we got well, I got caught, and uh, so I had to go to finance and like lie about my finances and. So they would let me stay off base, but because they had a housing shortage anyways, they're like, fuck it, just stay off, but you can't have VAH. I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I did. Right. I had to pawn some shit to make rent here and there, and and uh, 
Yeah. And then I'd go on the off weeks when we didn't get paid the times I would get suckered down to Louisville. I'd go find like half it drank beer bottles or empty beer bottles. Just like so be walking around with like a drink in my hand. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be able to drink. <laughs> Just trying to look like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> Dude, that was the time I found out one of my buddies would go to the gay bar all the time and get liquored up over there by, uh, by all the other dudes. And then come stumbling back over to hang out with us. And I'm like, oh, that seems like a good idea. Yeah, hey. Let's just hope I don't get late. Yeah, hey, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. <laughs> um, yeah, the going back to Los Cuatros de Ohio, because I think that's what we called yeah. it, right? We what, did, yeah. what what break was that where we went? It was so um normal basic training gets a graduation. And there's a split between your graduation of basic and you go to AIT, which is advanced individual training. That's what it's called. Uh, yeah, I got you, buddy. Um, <laughs> but because we were OSUT, one station unit training, they we didn't have a quote-unquote graduation. We just literally – and we didn't really have like a, a formal basic training. It was literally just Cav Scout shit. Yeah, for the whole thirteen weeks, but we we rolled from basic into OSA or into uh, AIT, and so they gave us like that three day weekend. That's right. But we couldn't leave. Uh, like you couldn't go more than twenty miles off base, which we did, of course, because Low Meyer's parents took us. Dude, that weekend was legit. I'm glad you remember that. Yeah, well, I remember. So yeah, we we had like three days off. We spent mm-hmm. two of them driving. <laughs> Yeah, basically. I, mean, it was, I don't. What was it like a six-hour drive? Yeah, it was a yeah. I mean, a solid six, right? And you yeah. you couldn't like wake up at five and go. Like you got released at like eleven. Um, but yeah. we got there, just got hammered. I remember sleeping on like a massage table. Yes. <laughs> that I didn't fit on. <laughs> right, like that's where I was like, I'll just pass out here. Um, it was a massage table. Yeah, but then. Um, that was also when, like, that fucking DC sniper thing was going on. That, but do you remember the dude that pulled the gun on us at Lohmeyer's house? Oh, yeah. No. Do you remember yes. attacking now a I do. and a, a hit and run? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yes, we went to Lohmeyer's. Um, remember, they took us to, like, a Walmart right away because we were in our Class A's. And so we ran in and, like, literally bought a pair of jeans and a T-shirt yep. and came out. So we didn't have to be in our Class A's. And they took us to a bar not far from their house, and we started seeing cadences, like, fucking nerd. Yeah. Private. Just dumbasses. I don't remember who got into a fight, but someone picked a fight. Like, someone said, like, hey, guys, cool, we've heard it. Can you knock it off? And Lamb or Lohmeyer teed off, and <laughs> and we got into a fight in that bar and got drug out, and then we went to hit dude. And I, I don't want to steal your show. Carry on. No, no, it's because I – my memories are fading. It was, a, it was a fucking whirlwind day and a half of partying yeah because remember low wire had like all these chicks lined up like oh it's gonna be a big old party and we're like oh yeah this will be so much fun yeah and then we got there and it wasn't it was literally all of us and like his little girlfriend and like another dude and the dude's wife or girlfriend but yeah so anyways we go to that bar and we're seeing cadences like jackasses like i'm looking back on it i'm like what a fucking group of dorks 100 anyways Yes. And so anyways, we've seen those stupid cadences. 
one of those two almost get into a fight. We get yanked out of there by Lohmeyer's parents. And that was the first time I'd ever had Jaeger bombs. And let me tell you, if there's ever a more disgusting drink than a Jaeger bomb, fucking kill me. Yeah, there's not many. And so then we went back to his house for this big, you know, party. And nobody shows up. Nope. Sean leaves with his girlfriend. And we don't know where he goes. And we're there with his sister. worth a dude and, like, the dude's wife or whatever and then they leave and get into a fight dude comes back and pulls two guns out and slams them down like on the coffee table the, uh, Omar's <laughs> sister loses her shit and starts calling her mom and dad and you start talking to you start talking to this dude talking shit and he laughs so hard you're all bro do you know the fuck i am i'll take the fucking gun and kill you <laughs> like i am laughing like well i mean we did go through basic training and there was that one day of combative so you're right i mean we're fucking killers that being said, I would have tied him in knots. Do you not see this metal, brother? This is marksman <laughs> during a blizzard, which may would which would basically be an expert if I was in Hawaii. Oh shit! Yeah, that was. God, I I had forgotten about that, but yeah, we made smart decisions. Um, yeah, and we went back, and we were not rested, and no, had to jump and right back into it. In. Here's the crazy part. This is what blows my mind, and I, I forgot to bring this up in my 10-minute rant. Um, but one time you were going to set me up with your sister, and I feel like she really lost out in this scenario. So She did. She did. Um, but anyways, it's not her fault. It's really yours, um, and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, she'll listen to this, and um, she'll Good. probably Good. Uh, have a hard time remembering who the fuck you are. So there's that. Now, now but back then she'd be like, oh, this dude in her head, seven foot three, a jack 300. I mean, six pack and all for sure. Uh, it's in there somewhere. Now, now it's just 510 and, and some titties. Uh, <laughs> and a, and a though, sweet beard. And a sweet beard, brother. Yeah, yeah. You got that going for you. I'll give you that. I do uh, have that. Yeah, it's that Nordic bloodline. But you got, yeah, you got out. And uh, went and became a cop. You did that for what? 10 years? 12, 13, 15? Almost, almost 17. I'm good at math. Right on. 17 <laughs> years. <laughs> we stayed super close after the Army. I mean, we were, um, fingers crossed, that's how tight we were. Well, yeah, little context. Uh, basically, every Christmas... We would that's text each other like, hey, what's your address? Got to send you a Christmas card. <laughs> and that's how we... That's not, the the most amount of talking we did was right before you and Jen got married um, because I was going to go. I got your wedding invitation. I was going to go. And then I got the letter saying, welcome back. Yes. And I'm like, welcome back to what? I. And it was the Army saying, hey, the IRR, the backdoor draft, welcomes you, and you're going to go to Afghanistan. I was like, fuck. So I called you, and I'm like, hey, dude, um, bad news, man. I'm, I'm getting recalled, and i got to go to Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that sucks, dude. I'm like, well, hey, tell me, you know, shoot me your, uh, your whatever that thing is you sign up for, bridal, whatever, and uh, – I'll mail you something. Okay, well, cool, dude. Sorry. And we hang up. And then you called me back like fucking an hour later. Hey, bro, what did the package look like? I'm like, FedEx and fuck, dude. I got the same <laughs> I was so, uh, yeah, like thinking I like skipped out on it or somehow. 
Um, yeah, and I don't know how I got out of it. Um, you didn't go. No, I did no. So yes, no, I did not go. Um, but I think. Hold on, real quick, Ross. Just so we're clear, if you just yes, no, yes, noed him, he would be t- shit talking you right now. I'm not going to do that. I'm bigger than that. Carry on. Right. No. So I did not go, but I but I also got out of it. Right. So yes. yeah. because so I had moved. Yep. And they lost my, they didn't know where I lived. And obviously you're supposed to like tell them where you're at at all times, which whoops, forgot. And so I got my letter later than you. And I put in a request for an extension because I was like, I got to figure this shit out because I just got married and all this shit. uh, You know, my boss ends up writing this letter that essentially like, you know, he's an inner, you know, vital part of our company. If we lose him, you know, we'll be stuck. And because I missed that window that you were in where they were just like, yeah, everybody fucking come back. I'm assuming they were like, well, there's no point in like putting you as supply clerks. It, it was probably because of how big of a shit bag I was that they're like, they'll never recall from the IRR ever again. <laughs> you did fine. What are you talking about? You still had most well, of that training. That, intact. The fact that, uh, Pakistan and us didn't end up in a war. And then Iran and us didn't end up in a war single-handedly because I was trying to fucking shoot at them all the time is it, it's mind-numbing that we didn't go to war with them. But um, kudos to world politics and being as stable as they are. Yeah, there were some some CIA agents over there having to explain a lot of your actions, I'm sure. <laughs> like, what's this idiot doing? Ah, don't worry about him. He, he's disgruntled. He's not happy he got recalled. <laughs> he got recalled. He had another job. We just ripped about so, his life. Uh, yeah. I guess that was the last time that we really had a lot of communication back and forth. And yeah. then uh, Jen then- had emailed me, bro, I, you know, I even just saw it. Or I don't know if she emailed me or she'd hit me up somehow via with a message. And, but it came to me really late and it was basically like, I had to write you an email. Like she was asking for her friends that couldn't come mm-hmm. to like write you an email and just like what we would say. And so I don't know if I ever sent that email or not. Like I'd have to go back and really dig in the archives to try to find that. But um, that was after you guys were married. Yep. Um, I don't even know what that event was for. That I was, I don't even know if Jim remember that. That was when I had gotten recalled. So like okay. I had, I was, I, I, I essentially requested an extension. I had six months, right. To like get all, get all your shit in order. And so I had done all that. And so say my, uh, report for duty day was fucking April 1st. Right. Well, come March, I still hadn't heard shit. And so like on March, like 20th, she threw like a going away party yeah there we go and then there we go on fucking like march 28th i got a call call never mind you're relieved of duty holy shit (laughs) like are you serious like yep you're good i was like fucking a man (laughs) so funny that's exactly what it is you're right because it i knew it was supposed to be like some type of surprise because she wrote like and I don't remember it all verbatim, but it was like, Hey, I'm so sorry. This is late. And I, you know, I respond back, Hey, I don't monitor this that much. My bad. Well, Hey, still send it to me and I'll give it to him anyway. So I don't even know if I ever wrote you an email or not. I mean, I hope I did, but you would have been over there at that time. So what was that like for you, man? Like, 
being out, uh, and I know you, you, you went and you were a police officer. And so you, you still ha- had a lot of like, you know, your, your left, right, left in you. Right. Um, and you still had weapons training going on and all that shit, you know, but you, you go back to that life, which is different. It's just different. Um, it's way different. So what was that like? Like ha- having been out and getting like pulled back in, were you with well, initially, other scouts? I thought like legitimately like, Oh fuck. Like, Hey, there's a surge happening and they need soldiers. And so initially like, I was like, cool. Like if, if they need bodies, I'm there. Um, and so I was, I, I, I'm not going to say I was excited to get the letter cause I was not, but I was certainly excited to go like get into the fight if that's what was needed. Yeah. And then I got attached to this national guard unit out of Georgia and, uh, found out that no, they just recall people and, and augment Nash national guard and reserve units with former active duty just to help staff their numbers because a lot of their numbers will go, Oh, you know what? Um, I've got a job or I'm in college right now. And they'll go, okay, cool, bro. You don't have to go. Um, and so I went to augment that. And that's when like, I had a shit attitude. I was like, fuck, these guys are a bunch of fucking nerds. Mm -hmm. Um, and I dude, so, two experiences the combat side of it was none um and it was really it was a very busy year for for allied forces and and um i don't know what the numbers are now but at the time that when i was there it was the heaviest losses of allied forces yeah um i don't know if that's changed since um but like in terms of like being when I was on the fob and when I was on base like no bro i let everybody know that they were below me and that they're pieces of shit. I was a dickhead. <laughs> well, cause you were with national guard. Uh, bro, they're, they're fucking pussies. The, yeah. And they like... need, and they need to hear it from me. <laughs> Isn't that yeah, like, that was such a weird experience, right? Like, cause when like our quote unquote basic or OSIT as you called it, right? Like we, we did it with them and even yep. the drills fucking hated them. They hated the reserves, you know, like they'd let active duty go first and then they'd say, all right, nasty girls, you can go through fucking chow line. I mean, they just, they treated them like second class citizens because they knew they were just fucking part time in it. Because they are, they're trash. <clears throat> I'm a citizen soldier. So I, I, I can't imagine that was a fun experience because that would have been, and it was like when I got the letter, like, fuck, I don't want to go back with guys that I didn't like train with for years and have confidence in. Yeah. Like, I mean, so the buildup, the, the train up wasn't bad in terms of like a pre-mob or pre-mobilization. Um, it was just the fact that I was with this national guard unit and it was like, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a, I'm a greeter at Walmart. I'm like, cool, bro. Like I'm currently on a SWAT team. I'm, I'm in a very busy city. Like, yeah. I'm still getting down. Like I haven't lost the skill set. You don't have one. You're right. the closest thing to a skill set is basic training and AIT. Yeah. And, and then like the National Guards, like something I didn't know about, but sort of promote like that, you know, there's only you know from promoting an, an active duty. Hey, you have to have so many points. Well, if the points are really, really high, it's because we have too many NCOs, and so you'll never promote. Yep. When the points are really, really low. Hey, we have a, an outflux of, of people. And we need to backfill that. Well, in the nasty girls, it doesn't work that way. What they'll do is they'll come in and say, I come in as infantry 
And then I'm like, hey, I really want to be a sergeant. They go, well, hey, bro, we don't have a spot over here, but in the unit, uh, there's a meteorologist position that just opened up that has an E5 opening. Cool. I'll go to meteorology school. And now I'm a sergeant with a meteorology school. So now I have all these like multiple MOSs. And that's why you'll hear like National Guard and Reserve guys going, oh, well, hey, what was your MOS? Oh, I was, uh, I was 11 Mike and 11 Bravo and 18 or uh, uh, yeah. 93 Sierra. And you're like, how, how do you have so many fucking MOSs? Yeah. Well, that's all. Um, and so running into these fucking turds, it, it blew my mind. <laughs> Tell me Which how you really friend. feel. Yeah, if, if any of your friends are National Guards, I totally support and respect you guys. You guys do great things for this country. <laughs> yeah, there was there was definitely uh, some animosity, right, from from active active duty to National Guard to the reserve folks. Uh, so I can't imagine how how that was a pleasant experience for you. Yeah, well, and then again, once I realized that, hey, it's not that, like, and here's the thing, I probably would have had a better attitude if I'd shown up, and they're like, hey, thanks, bro, we're understaffed, but we're deploying anyways, I'd have been like, hey, cool, I understand, Mm -hmm. but literally when I'm standing there talking to a guy who's handing me my fucking rifle and and some of my gear, and I'm like, hey, when are you pushing out? Oh, I'm not, I have a job. Motherfucker, I have a a fucking job. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Losing my mind. I'm like, you're signed up for this, not me, nerd. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, if you're listening, right, like this is like, uh, you know, big brother, little brother type shit, right? Where, you know, we will trash on them. Um, but like, they do serve a purpose. They they do serve the country in, in their own form or fashion. So uh, they're not all pieces of shit. Uh, but it's it's definitely you know army shit non navy type stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, like my, my who I called my platoon daddy because when I got there, bro, I ended up landing in like a weird little. I ran. I landed on a weird team, and uh, so there's only twelve of us, and they were all NCOs. There was like literally a specialist on the team, mm-hmm. at E4 for the layman around here. Um, <laughs> But like my platoon daddy was a staff sergeant and, and Smith was a great fucking platoon sergeant. He was squared the fuck away um, in his job. And he recognized that his job wasn't my job. And so like, if there was a tactical thing, he would lean on me and let me give some guidance and get, let my buddy Dario give some guidance. Yeah. And he, he, if it made sense, he'd go with it. And if it didn't, it didn't. So truly there was, there was some great leadership there and some great people. So absolutely like, Hey, it is a big brother, little brother. I have to talk shit cause fuck them. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if, but if Smith was cutting through town right now, if old Preston was cutting through town right now, Hey, you better swing through and have some beers with me and stay the night. Cause uh, you know, he'd be welcome any day of the week. He was a great dude absolutely. to work for. Absolutely. Uh, what are you drinking? You drink uh, a little, little the, the banquet of beers. Ooh, is that a, that's a rip special, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Hey, I want to get back into like you being a police officer, but you live in Idaho now. I do. Right. Um, not a- there are a lot of like Yellowstone wannabes out there. I know it's not Montana, but. Um, if there are, I don't see them. Um, although I guess I'm probably one of them since I have cows and stuff, but, uh, but you um, live there now. I mean, like you just fully like moved there and fucking embraced the life. Yes. Yeah. I, I tell everyone that, Hey, I'm 
a California native, but an Idahoan at heart. Um, dude, I don't think there's a ton, but like in the circle of people that I run with, like none of them are like that. And they're, and most everybody that I, I run with out here are like native Idahoans. And so, um, none of them are like Yellowstone types and, uh, the few Californians that I know out here aren't like that either. Okay. Um, so, so I'm sure there are, but I just haven't crossed them. Right. So here's a question. Uh, when yeah. I win the lottery, right? Like one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a big ass ranch. Mm-hmm. Do I buy it in Idaho, Montana? Uh, having been over to Montana to go whitetail hunting this year, um, it is stunning country. And we would have moved there except for it gets un like insanely cold and being mindful that I get, I'm talking to a dude from Minnesota <laughs> and I'm coming from the deserts of Southern California. Like we don't have cold in California. Right. Um, you know, my, we were just down in California last weekend and my kids and I were swimming in the pool and it wasn't heated, mm-hmm. you know, like that's the temperatures of California versus here. So uh, for you uh, and your family living in Montana, probably wouldn't be that big of a deal. Uh, for me and mine, I, I think, I, I don't know how they would have stomached that first winter. What's, um, what's like the difference temperature wise from Idaho to Montana? I, it depends where you're at. Like where I'm at, dude, um, it's been getting down to the single digits in the, in the, at, at night. Um, and then like today, dude, it got, it got up to like 32. Um, that's fucking now, cold. what's that? That's fucking cold. Like how much colder does it get in Montana? Oh, they can drop down to the negatives. But you're not that far off if you're in single digits, man. For sure, but also I'm not out there working in it. So if you talk about like, hey, I'm buying a ranch and you're actually going out in it, like last winter was a pretty – so every five years apparently where we're at, we get snow. And so, um, yeah, do you drag and hose – all winter long to water the cows uh, was fucking miserable because with the wind chill, it was getting in the negatives and uh, we were on the pain train for sure. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the secret, like living up here. Uh, When it goes below zero, you just really don't do much outside. Agreed. But when you have cows, you have to go get the water and you have to get them food. But when you have a sick beard like this, bro, it just insulates you. (laughs) And also if I won the lottery, you think I'm going outside and working on a ranch in the hey, winter? I am fucking not. <laughs> that's on me, fam. My apologies. You're yeah. right. You got, you got to recognize, hands. like, you're going to have fucking hands that are going to do hey, that what? shit. I'm just going to, like, ride a horse around. <laughs> go tell that clown out there to fucking go out there and feed my cows. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. That one looks right, a little malnourished. Old. I can see its ribs. Uh, right. Fatten that fucker up. Yeah, I want to be eating him by spring. That's right. That's right. Although you're probably going to eat them by fall just because they don't really gain weight during winter. But if you win the lottery and you feed that cow whatever you want, I suppose you could make it gain weight. Hey, I don't know shit about cows. so I I got a doctorate on them from YouTube University. And uh, so I could pretty much tell you anything. So I pretty much watched all the videos. What? So what spurned like the move from California to Idaho? so bro i guess i'd go back to the law enforcement story okay so Um, then let's rewind into law enforcement right like 
how was being a police officer? Start there, like just overall. Yeah. yeah. So I got out in 2005 and immediately got uh, picked up by Colton police just by happenstance around to a, a friend of the family and Hey, are you still interested in being a cop? And yup. And uh, cool. I'm going to put the background investigator in touch with you. And um, literally that year I was hired as a cop and moving forward. And uh, um, Colton was a, a tiny little town, um, but it was very like socioeconomic, socioeconomically poor. And it was just a great jump off point, man. It was uh, when I started there, there was 80 cops. And uh, when I left, there was like 39. Um, yeah, we ran into, you know, the, the financial falls of, of 2009 and 2010 uh, took effect on everybody. And there were some mass layoffs. And I went from being like 15th from the bottom to two from the bottom. Um, but at Colton, we didn't have a whole lot of special assignments. And so you had to learn to do every job. You had to learn to be a, an investigator, a, a gang cop, a narc cop. Like you got to do a bunch of stuff, which comes back to my 10 minute rant. Okay. You absolutely can smoke cocaine. It's called freebasing outside of, uh, co- or crack. All right. Um, All right. You can snort it. You can, you can shoot it. Um, yeah, the drug, the drug class on this, I was like, oh no, 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 this isn't right. Yes. yes. Here we um, go. I want to send you all the text, but I want to save my jokes because I didn't want to open them all up. And then when we showed up, you just start punching me in my face and getting jokes back on me. So I want to put you on your heels. Yeah, that's good. Um, but anyway, so I got like a bunch of like sick experience at Colton. Um, some of it because they let me and some of it because I chased it on my own. Um, Anyways, dude, I'll tell you this. Being a cop was way scarier than any of my time in Afghanistan. I bet. Um, so then I, I uh, Colton went through all those layoffs. And during those layoffs, I realized like, oh, shit, I'm on the chopping block. And so um, at that point, I got married and I had my first kid, my son. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to school and I did online. And I literally started taking eight classes a semester to bang out my, my bachelor's. And so I did in criminal justice. Cause I, at that point I probably had six ish years in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And so I did it in criminal justice cause I didn't care. I just needed the piece of paper to say like, look at me, yep. I've got military, I've got a bunch of experience and I've got a college degree. Yeah. And so I, I did it as fast as I like possibly could. And I think I banged it out like a year and a half, maybe right at two years. Wow. Um, and I got done. I looked around and went, Oh fuck. Um, a bachelor's degree is fucking a GD. Like everyone's got one. So <laughs> I, I still had money from the GI bill and went and got my master's and I didn't want to get it in public or in criminal justice just because I was like, fuck dude. Like I figured at a master's level, like, you know, like I better have it on something else. So I went and got a public administration only because obviously I was in the public sector and yeah. it just made sense. Um, and it was one of those I realized really, really quickly it's a stupid degree and I could lie <laughs> and cheat my whole way through it. So I went with that. Um, <laughs> but like in my police career, I spent a lot of time on patrol. Um, 
at Colton, I did the stepping stone to detectives called ID officer, which was like CSI stuff, mm-hmm. but you're a, a sworn cop doing it. So I'd, I'd be on patrol doing patrol shit. And then if they needed like, you know, a crime scene photographed or fingerprints or whatever, DNA swabs, I'd go over there and handle that also. And I was kind of that stepping stone to corporal detective um, at Colton. And so I, I did that. Um, we lost because we started going through all those financial problems. We lost all of our special teams. And so I started figuring out like just stupid ways to like do surveillance from patrol. Like I'd park my unit down the street facing away. Like I was on a call and use my binos through my rear view mirror and <laughs> watch dope ads. And I'd see dudes roll. I'd go spin around, go grab them. Um, and then Colton started letting me write and started letting me write warrants. So we started smacking pads and um, getting into stuff and it was fun. I, I got on SWAT and did that for, you know, a bunch of years. And, um, but with all those layoffs, I was like, fuck it. I need to go find like a better department. And at that time, our teams, our SWAT team had regionalized with two other cities. And so I shot over to Fontana and got recruited by them and went to work for them. And they were a phenomenal agency, man. Like, um, by the time I left Colton, I was really mad at them. I hated Colton PD and I hate not, not so much the PD, but like the admin and the, uh, Mm -hmm. city management just were trash. And so, um, I got to Fontana as a breath of fresh air and, um, got after that. And so again, I, I went back to my roots of just like, Hey, how much, how much shit can I possibly get into and how many bad guys can I find an arrest? So real quick, I jumped back on SWAT. I got pulled to the fugitive apprehension team aptly named fat, which describes my job and my body type. Hey. And hey, um, jumped on the range staff. I got into like the training programs and really got to like run a muck in the training programs, um, mm-hmm. promoted, went to detectives and that's kind of where shit really started to spiral. Um, I was starting to crack at Colton, but when I got to Fontana and especially when I went to detectives, uh, my mental like headspace was trash. And it was funny cause I was listening to your podcast with Justin and he's talking about how like elated he was to have a kid born and like, you know, like how, well, first off I laughed that he fell asleep and couldn't be woken up, but <laughs> listen to him and like the excitement that he had to have his firstborn in his arms and stuff like that. And I, I sat back and was like, dude, I, I was there for both of them, but like, whatever. Mm-hmm. I just didn't care. And not that I wasn't happy, but at that point, like I really started to tank mentally. And, and so it's not that I wasn't happy to have my kids born, but like, I had no space for, for elation, um, anger, knew no bounds, sadness, knew no bounds. Um, but elation and happiness, what, there was a absolute ceiling and it was very, very short. And from, from being um, a police officer. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, you know, I, I got into a between, so I got to a shooting, um, in 2010 and then, bro, I, you know, you're dealing with uh, kids getting hurt all the time, getting molested and yeah. and, and savagely beaten. And mm-hmm. I'm talking about, like, little kids, not a 16, 17-year-old right. man right. Yeah. Or, or woman, but a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, well, my – right before I left for Fontana, uh, I got into a significant use of force. A friend of mine got really hurt 
Um, and he ultimately forced him to get medically retired. Um, but I caught up with the guy who, who caused that injury and I fucked that dude up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, bro, I was on that case from, so I, I was on day shift time. So I came in at like five in the morning, which meant I woke up at four 30 to work out. I didn't go home till the next morning at like four because I'd stay in the hospital all night with this dickhead that I roughed up mm-hmm. and, uh, and make no mistake. I say roughed up, but I mean, this dude and I legitimately like knuckled each other up, like grabbing for my gun. Like we fought each other. Yeah. Like mortal enemies that we were. And, uh, so I get up the next morning, I come in a couple hours late and I'm pulling in and they're like, Hey, start for a, uh, a dead baby. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I grab my shit real quick and I grab my uniform and I go bombing out there uh, to this apartment complex and patrols on scene. And I'm that, I'm that ID officer at the time. And uh, Hey, what do we got? And so, Hey dude, a uh, baby possibly drowned, but there's some sketchy shit involved. Okay, cool. So I start my fit photographing and everything. I'm talking to the, the boyfriend who found the baby drowned. Um, you know, and his story seems relatively plausible. So detectives are now showing up and we're photographing two different apartment complexes, pulling all sorts of stuff. And uh, one of my, I mean, still a good friend to this day, interviews this dude and starts talking to this dude. And the dude finally admits like, hey, my girlfriend left me. It's her kid. I was playing video games. I just got frustrated. The kid's screaming. So um, I threw him into a wall and he fell into the, into his crib and just wasn't moving. So I was like, Oh shit. So I threw him into the bathtub and like in the water underwater and he just wasn't moving. So I put him back in his crib and like pretended he was asleep. And that was my transition to Fontana. And I mean, like, Jesus Christ. So at that point, at that point, you know, I have a son, this little kid's age and, you know, I'm dealing with it, man. Like, you know, I'm dealing with the sleepless nights. On top of this, Colton, like I said, had gone from an 80-man department down to 40 mm-hmm. and less than 40. So every day I showed up to work, I was guaranteed four hours of overtime, almost mandatory. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was working just a shit ton, dude. And and that wasn't the only baby case. I mean, like, right. the number staggering. That That's just one that I'm, like, talking yeah. about now. It was, like, a memorable one. Yep. And so... uh in around that one, uh, right before I left for Fontana, I had helped with an investigation where two young girls, and I, I don't remember their exact ages, but we'll say like five and seven at the time of the crime, um, they were getting sexually molested by their stepdad for, I mean, years. And mom was letting it happen. She was like, because otherwise mom would get the shit kicked out of her. So mom's letting it happen. So mom finally calls the police because dad's abusive and, uh, we get involved. We find out the girls are being molested. We find out mom's involved. So we arrest her. The kids go to CPS. And literally my very first day at Fontana PD, I'm like, Hey, I can't come to that first day. I'm going to be in jury trial for this molestation. And here's these girls who are now, um, like a a very young teenager, like 13 ish. Mm -hmm. And like, and, uh, talking about sex acts that like would make a grown man or woman blush. Um, and they're talking about it matter of factly, like, well, we, you know, he fucked my butt and he put it in my mouth. Like, it was crazy. Jeez. And you're sitting there going, cool. This is, this is where I want to be. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, watching jurors cry, like right. listening to kids testify about this shit. God damn. Um, 
And the cool part was like the defense attorney was like, go say your piece. Like, because the guy's defense was, it wasn't me. And so the defense attorney's like, yeah, let these girls talk. And literally his only question was, well, could it have been somebody else? No, it was him. Okay, no further questions. Um, so, I mean, it was quick, and it, it obviously ended the way it should. The dude's in prison for life, and hopefully California actually does it. But shit like that started taking a toll. Um, mm. Working 16, 18 hours started taking a toll. And not being supported by uh, city and police management started taking a toll. So then I go to Fontana, and Fontana's a, bre- a, fresh of, a breath of fresh air. Um but same thing, man. I mean, one of the, uh, I come off FTO and, uh, well, shit, while I was on FTO, this kid got eaten by dogs and um, I literally took his ear to the hospital to see if they could try to reattach it. Um, uh, another one was a traffic collision. Dad rolls and I, I'm first one on scene. And so I come up to, to help and uh, the, there's bystanders everywhere. It's on a major thoroughfare and they're like, go get the baby. And I'm looking in this car. I'm like, where's this fucking baby? They're like, no, he's on the fence. Kid was in the seat, the car seat buckled in the car seat wasn't buckled into the car. And oh. so when the car flipped, the baby got ejected and impaled on the fence. Oh. So I go, and at this point, my daughter's been born. So she's about the same age as this little infant. So I, I picked the, I, it's over my head. I picked the, the car seat up, you know, they're heavy. I, and I bring it down. I'm holding onto this kid. I'm looking at him like, oh, okay, cool. This kid's dead. So I go back to dad and uh, I'm trying to treat dad. And now medics are pulling up. So I show him the baby, bro, the first ambulance snatches up the baby and bones out. Like just fuck it later. And if anybody listening, if they stay and play, you have a chance. If they, if they, uh, pick you up and go, you're in deep shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like these are the things of flight. And so watch them go down. I'm like, yeah, kids fucking dead later. Um, and, and that's just the way it went. And so anyways, um, but it's patrol and patrol so fast, pa- uh, fast paced that, you know, it really doesn't have time to get to you because you're on to the next call. And, but you know, those things chip at you little by little. Sure. And so, um, at Fontana, I got involved in a couple of major incidents and, uh, um, that I went to detectives and in detectives is where it finally fell apart. I was just dealing with a shit ton of sex crimes, um, a shit ton of child abuse cases. And it got bad enough to where I was like, well, wait, which, which brain dead kid is this one? Mm-hmm. You know, and which which molested child is this one? Because yeah. they're all the exact same. Right. And uh, so, anyways, I've become a real fucking piece of shit at home. Yeah. Um, you know, I put on my jokes like I had here. I'd be you know telling jokes and have everybody laughing and 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 be normal Brad at work. Um, but I'd come home and my kids would, you know, uh, uh, try to bring their bike in the house. And I, what the fuck are you doing? Are you yeah. fucking kidding? Get Just that thing outside. Yeah, dude. And, and so, uh, we finally got to a point where like my wife and my, my fights were less fights. And now like, Hey, like, are we going to sell the house? Are you just going to buy me out? Do I buy you out? Um, do we need to get attorneys or like, how are we going to work out child custody stuff? Mm -hmm. And it went from like, Hey, we're fighting to like legit negotiations on how, how life not together works out. Yep. And, uh, 
at that time, my buddy uh, from up north who I was in the army or in Afghanistan with was a cop up there and he'd gotten into a gnarly shooting um, and a couple of gnarly incidents. And he was like, dude, I'm popping smoke on law enforcement. And so I turned to my wife and was like, cool. Hey, if uh, I'll get out of police work, but I'm not staying in California. And my wife's like, cool. And we're going to counseling. I mean, we're doing all yeah. sorts of shit. Yeah. Um, so my wife finally was like, yup, I agree. Like, let's, uh, if you get out of police work, we can go, where are we going to go? And we literally Googled like most conservative states. So at this point now, uh, COVID has hit, you know, like I'm, I'm, I had to get out of Texas early to go play fucking homeschooled teacher, um, for online schooling. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to the sh- this, it was a fun shift, but it was shitty. You worked Friday day. Saturday swing, Sunday graveyard. So I'd get off graveyard Sunday, Monday morning, come home, get my kids like, hey, get situated on the computer, and I'd go rack out on the couch, come get me if you need me, which 10 seconds later, yeah, because they were in third and kindergarten. Right. Hey, Dad, can you come help me? And I'm like, cool, I'd love to. I'm awake. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, uh, we Googled like most conservative states and uh, – uh, you know, a bunch popped up and I, we just basically said, Hey, my wife said, no, we're human. And, um, I said, yeah, cool. I'm good with that. But also you guys aren't going to do well in freezing cold. And Idaho was the place. And so we came up here and, um, like almost two years of like weekly hour long EMDR sessions. I got a bunch of that shit worked through and, um, you know, I'm happy to say like tracking on a way better, like father and husband life than I, than I used to be Good for you, man. Good for you. Like that's not an easy thing to recognize. Right. And no, it was, and I think a lot of, you hear that. Right. And I've told, you know, I've said like, that's why I didn't stay in the army just cause like so many of those guys that were in that were lifelong, like, geez, I bet the divorce rate was 70, 80%. And I can't imagine it's much, better um as as a police officer because like you said it's way more intense because you're dealing with it every day right in the in the military it's a when you're deployed you have to deal with it potentially if you're if you're in a bad you know mos if you're in combat arms it's stuff that you will deal with but you know when then when you're back home you know it's a nine to five so i can't imagine what it's like as a police officer so you know big fucking kudos to you for recognizing like well, I think the difference is, you know, you smoke a terrorist and everybody's like, fuck that piece of shit. I smoke a gangster and they're like, brother, that was American blood. Did you have to? Why didn't you shoot him in the leg? Right. I'm like, let's well, force me in the gangster with a gun and a Haji with a gun. And and obviously I say Haji super fucking racistly, but, you know, that's what we called them to to lower their their um, status as a human being. We, we name called them um, and, and yeah. gave them different idols to make them lesser than humans so we could easily shoot them and you look at a gangster and the only difference between that gangster and, and some terrorists one's got american blood coursing through and one doesn't but one's highly supported and one's not yeah yeah and that's interesting that you brought up like the whole haji thing right like i think that's a coping mechanism right for sure when you're in because yeah i mean how many guys did you know right ptsd struggling with that shit like when they get out right because they're still people right right at the end of the day all these 
everything that you're dealing with, whether it's police officer, military, whatever, right? Like they're still people and you know it in in your heart of hearts that that guy that guy or girl or kid or, you know, old person, whatever, like they're pretty similar to you. Right? Like it's just where they were born and the time they they're, were born. Their their color of their skin might be a little bit different. Yeah, but, but other than that, like we're exactly the same person. Right. So in it's terms of like blood and anatomy and yeah, I mean mindset. Yeah. My mindset was really different. I just wasn't a gangster. I wasn't a terrorist. Yep. Yeah. But so I was equally devoted to my cause. Right. Right. But yeah, so good you know, on you, man. In that 17 years, I had five friends get killed, uh, two more take their, and by, not get killed by car crashes, but I'm talking about gunfire. Yeah. Um, a lot more get fucked up. And then, you know, a couple kill themselves, and um, you start adding it all together, and, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit. Like, maybe, maybe I am fucked up. For sure. How can you not? Uh, like, you know, like, I think that's a normal it's normal to think that and but but again like super fucking awesome that you recognize like what it was doing and said all right i gotta because you were so close three years away or at least i think i don't know from essentially being able to collect some form of a pension or something 12 12 years away Um, okay I mean, yeah. I mean, I can still collect a pension. It's just uh, you can't do it till fifty-five, um, and it won't be as much, obviously. But to right. get my full pension, correct? Right. But you know, so you were close, right? And you're yeah. just like, "Fuck it, man! Like this ain't. I gotta, I gotta make a change." So yeah, big fucking ups to you to like to recognize that and take those steps and make that change because that's not an easy thing to do. Like I've made big changes in my life not anywhere nearly on the significance level of that and i struggled with them i think all people do i was gonna say i don't know that you can put it and i've only learned this recently because of the fucking (laughs) all the therapy but you know trauma is trauma right so i say hey um i dealt with these kids getting molested and hurt and that fucked me up and you go bro i can't even compare to that i'm like well no you can your dad died you can, you got really, really sick. Your body doesn't know like yeah. you got shot, right? Like sure. your body doesn't know that you got cancer. It just knows that there's a trauma response and it's reacting to that. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I think that's, you know, listen, it was funny listening to you and Anna talk today about race stuff, dude. Some of it made my blood boil. And some of it, I was like, cool, we can come back to like, normal land uh and it's because again like lived experiences i I think we especially coming from law enforcement military community like nobody wants to be the fucking weak link so i go well bro my dad's not dead yet like i can't fucking talk to jeff about like a fucking kid that isn't related to me getting hurt You know, and you're going, bro, uh, my dad, like, that sucks, but he was older in life. Like, I had a good run with him. For like, sure. Uh, you know, like, I wasn't, I wasn't doing, like, we, we try to, like, one-up each other, but the but backwards. Yeah. Yours is way worse than mine. That's a wild, that's a, that's a really interesting thing to think about, right? How people, as you said, compare their traumas. But at the end of the day, a trauma is trauma, right? Like, it whatever it might be like fuck maybe for somebody who's never experienced something like that significant 
right? Maybe it's more of a, oh my God, I got fired unexpectedly, right? And it fucked him Bro, up. Or they a fender I've seen it. Yeah, or they moved. On the corner. Yeah, like, or I was a kid and I had to move a lot, right? Like, that's traumatic right. for kids because you're getting ripped out yeah. of your friend zone and you had no say in that experience, right? Like, so there's a lot of those like experiences that people have out there that they don't realize how much that they affect them and they just let it build and build and build and build. And I was guilty of it. Right. I just, I, uh, yeah, I just fucking self-medicated and, you know, kind of like semi destroyed myself and, you know, it took a wild experience to like snap me out of it. And it's not an easy thing to do even when you're in it. You know what I mean? So like, again, I can't say enough, like, Man, that's fucking impressive as hell that you like recognized that at the time and took a step back and said, "All right." And it, it, as as innocuous as it was at the time, just a buddy calling you saying, "Like I'm fucking out," like, "Oh shit," you know, I can just fucking leave. Yeah, I can yeah. change my situation whenever I want. It's a wild well, and thing so, to think about. You know, like it's it's been almost two years now and uh, close and. Uh, you know, in that time, again, another buddy got smoked. Um, a bunch more have been hurt since I, I got out. And it's it's funny because when I left, you know, bro, I was a respected member on SWAT. I was I, I was a respected member in that department. Mm-hmm. Um, I could walk into that chief's office anytime. My command staff, my captains and lieutenants, I could walk into those offices anytime I want. If I said something, they might not do it but they at least listened to me um, mm-hmm. because I was respected. I, you know, I didn't come in as a hothead. I, I didn't come in with bad ideas. And I don't mean like, Hey, I'm a genius. I'm just saying like, I, if I came to them with something like, so I was, I was all these things. And so when I came to them and said, Hey, I'm popping smoke, I can't do this anymore. It legit caught a lot of people off guard. And what's funny is since I've left um, a lot of guys have left. Mm-hmm. Um, doing the same thing, have left and gone out of state, gone to Tennessee, gone to Florida, mm-hmm. um, and, and followed suit. Going fuck this, dude. I'm I'm beyond stress. And now I talk to the same guys. And the dude, the the I'll give you an example. My daughter's out yesterday on the on the trampoline, and she has a snow shovel. She's shoveling snow off. And I'm like, before I would have Emma fucking retard get off that what are we doing yeah. fucker, right like i would have yelled and like screamed at her and yeah. so yesterday i poked my head out my like, hey 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 knock that off so she looks at me i'm like hey you can't have that snow shovel up there so she's got like a, a a load of snow in it and she starts to push it off and i'm like hey i need you to stop empty the snow and throw the shovel off so she does and i'm like hey dude there's a a, a metal edge and if you cut into that trampoline Mm -hmm. the whole thing's trashed you know whereas before i would have fucking just unloaded on her like she's a grown-ass woman and knows yeah and and so that's where like i really started to recognize like i was making healthier changes was when my communication changed with my wife with my kids yeah it was longer just fuck you you're a moron yeah um hey let me explain to you why i'm telling you you can't do this Mm -hmm. absolutely Absolutely. But doing up my identity as a, as a SWAT dude, as a cop, like, and now like I work for a, a collision company, bro, that's it. on the daily. That's a fucking pill to swallow. Like, 
I, uh, you know, when, when I was there, Chris Dorner, he was the former LAPD guy that uh, decided that they terminated him because, you know, because they're a racist. And so he shot up a bunch of cops. Well, in that, he ended up shooting and killing a friend of mine and shooting a dude, one of my other buddies in the face, who who is a fucking stud and came back to work and, and became a SWAT stud himself. But, uh, you know, I was there for that. I was there for the IRC, the December 2nd terrorist attack, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh Dude, I've gotten to do some sick shit in my police career. Um, and it's hard to give that up, like that identity. It is. That's one of the hardest things to like to walk away from because that has been you. I, I mean, ever since I knew you, right? Like day one, not not after you got out of the military. Like we both knew, like, or we both had these thoughts when we were joining that this right. was going to be a stepping stone into be into becoming, you know, Leo's of some sort, right? You know, like my goals were federal, yours were, you know, different, but it was the same concept. And so, like, that had been in your brain since you were probably... Since since I was a fucking kid. I've always played Army, and I've always played Cops and Robbers, and I did both. Yeah, and to walk away from that is one of the hardest things to realize, like... But that's also, like, not who you are, right? Like, you uh, – I've always uh, personally tried really hard because I've, I've worked with a lot of people and been around a lot of people who their identity is wrapped up in their profession, in their occupation. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to separate. If you're not, you know – I get it for some people that, hey, I'm trying to change the world – okay, that's your identity. Fine. But you know, I'm a, I'm a sales guy at a contract, at a contracting company. You know, is that who the fuck I am? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Like I'm a loyal friend. I'm a loving husband. I'm a good dad. Like that's who the fuck I am. And so the, the, the work allows me to be that when I'm outside of it. And I've, I've always tried really hard to be like, I'm not, not going to put in, you know, hundred hour weeks because yeah. they don't fucking care about me, you know, and you, you were experiencing that in some respect, right? Like with the, all these layoffs and like, yeah, you know, you, you just didn't recognize, you know, unfortunately didn't recognize that early enough that we're all just numbers to a lot of these big organizations and these fucking systems. It's not that I didn't recognize it, but it was one of those, uh, coming back to like, you know, service, um, and and your service as well, which is like, hey, I'm here for the team. I know. God. It's not about me. And yeah. so I remember it was my. That's the, yeah, it's the uh, other aspect, especially for you. It was first birthday and we got a SWAT call out and we were going to go hit this fucking molester's house. And I'm like, fuck, I was torn. Like, do I go to my son's first birthday and my wife's fucking losing her shit? And I'm like, if I, and so of course, what do I do? Totally act responsibly and lose my shit on her. Yeah. And uh, like, it's a fucking worst day of somebody's life. I'm going to go fucking sing. You know, I'm here to, I'm here to fucking wreck house on the boogeyman and you know, all the cool, all the cool <laughs> fucking 511 nerd shit. I hold the line. I'm the sheepdog and wolves and blah, 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 lions, not sheep, blah, you know, yeah. but dude, I, eaten, I, I ate, I ate and slept that shit. Like I fucking loved it. Um, and it was exciting. It is just, 
when I finally realized like it was going to pull me away from my family and like truly like not pull me away, but like, cause I was already getting pulled away, uh, lose my family. Yeah, and like, so like there wasn't anything I could say to any judge, to any person on the planet that wasn't going to be a lie. Right. And it was just, it, and so dude, losing my identity to that was a fucking dick kick like mm-hmm. i cried hard and spent a lot of time crying in in therapy because it was hard it was hard to give that up mm-hmm. it was hard to come to grips dude it was fucking when i say two years of, of therapy it, it was probably more like a year and a half it was fucking miserable i fucking hated every single time i had to go there mm-hmm. but every time I went there, like I was like, I feel a little bit better. And, and now like they interact with my kids. I see the difference. Like I, I see the difference of what I was like then and now. And so listening to your brother talk about like, Oh dude, it was so fucking exciting. Like I was, I'm a dad. I'm like, bro, I didn't have that. But this year my son uh, got his hunter's license. Cause we're up here in Idaho now and you can do that shit. And, uh, so I took him deer hunting and he shot a fucking deer and we got to take a deer home and dude, like the pride that I had in my fucking, I, dude, I could have, I could have shot myself to try to relieve pressure on how excited I was that he just did oh, yeah. this. Absolutely. Be the- yeah. It's just a but, sweet ass bonding experience. But five years ago, I didn't like whatever, bro. Like, cool, good job. Like, fuck. Now yeah. I gotta hike this. Five years out. ago, you'd have been like, you missed center mass. Hundred percent. You know, like you'd have been absolutely. critical of it. Yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. And so, uh, like, I feel the differences that that are like I'm finally getting. Like, okay, cool. I'm coming back to center, and not that I expect to be a a twelve year old on Christmas again. Where oh my god, my hair's on fire. But uh, to like finally feel like those senses of elation and happiness and things like that, I'm like, oof, cool. Like it is working, but you have to go fucking earn it. Like it's not, it's not just there for the taking. That fucking no. EMDR and therapy was fucking miserable. Yeah. It so, was worth the misery. So what is EMDR? If you don't mind. Eye movement, deprocessing, and That's reprogramming, what I, yeah, I, thought I it was think. I think, yeah. Um, and so basically what you're doing is uh, – Basically, what you're doing is you're you're going back into your brain, um, and there's a bunch of different ways that they do it. Um, eye, eye movement, desensitization, fucking bro, <laughs> desensitization, and reprocessing. There we go. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I'm just on a beer. Um, hey, Ross, take over for me. Uh, yeah, so basically, bro, there's a bunch of different ways. Apparently, there's like lights that you can follow, but the one I did, you held these paddles and they shocked your hands. And basically, that was telling your, not shocked, but just vibrating your hands. Yep. And that was telling your brain, like, hey, you're not in this memory. You're just watching a movie. And so basically, you sit there and you focus, and it's wild, bro. It's a fucking. The only other thing that I want to try now is ayahuasca and try like sure. one of those. Sure. Um, because the journey that I took on EMGR, it took me to fucking memories that I had completely forgotten about. Like it was fucking nuts. Yeah. And so it'll be something simple like, hey, Jeff, tell me about the first time you felt insecure. And you're like, uh, um, 
I missed a play in little league. Yeah. Cool. Think about and so and think about that. Think about that play and think about being, um, you know, insecure. And so those things like vibrating your hands, it's alternating. And all of a sudden, bro, like you start going down the fucking rabbit hole of every time you felt insecure like that. And all these memories start flooding. So then like something will jump into your head as clear as a movie, like, like you're there mm-hmm. and you know, hey, and so every so often the therapist stops you and goes, hey, Jeff, where are you at now? What are you thinking? And you'll be like, um, hey, my dad passed away. Okay, how does that make you feel? And you're like, you know, hey, I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm, you know, I'm I, I'm lustful because I, I, I want to have these, these stories. Good. Think about that. And so whoop, 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 these things are hitting you in your hands and you go down this and also you start thinking about your dad. And then all of a sudden, bro, it pops out over here and you're like, fuck you know uh uh you know another example bro yeah. and, and and it just takes you down this re- really weird rabbit hole of memories and yeah. um you keep processing those and soon like they kind of become less vibrant and less impactful and all of a sudden you're like okay cool like hey my dad passed away that sucks mm-hmm. um and I, I miss him for these reasons but they're normal reasons. And it's not like, Hey, I have guilt because I didn't have this story with him or I, I have sure. uh, anger cause I can get this out. Like you're, you're finally at a place of peace with it. Yeah. Um, and so that's what EMDR is. And, it, and so some of my friends went through it. Some of them hated it. Some of them went the, the hallucinogenic route and fucking love it. Yep. Um, and that it was the best thing for them. Um, I'm just here to say, like, if you got head noise, no biggie, but go do something and go do something more than sitting on the couch just doing talk therapy. Yeah. Really dive into that thing and, and break it free. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do, right? Like, and, yeah, I just remember hearing about that. And, you know, because obviously, like, we went through some therapy, like, after my dad passed, and that was mentioned. And then, you know, almost immediately, you know, it was followed up, like, that's some serious shit. Like, to go through that, right? Like, because we're talking trauma over long periods of time, right? Like, really trying to, like, break it down because you can't... Yeah, so, fuck, man. Fuck. How... So, let me just... How are you doing? Good. I, uh... Yeah, good, man. I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not gonna say I'm at a hundred percent, but I'm definitely high eighties, low nineties. Um, there's still some days that like catch me off guard. I'll be sure. watching a fucking cartoon, and and there'll be some selfless acting. I'm, oh god, yeah. he, he's so selfless, you know, and, and silly stuff like that. Um, but it's good to have emotions, it, bro. Like it, at one time, it was just like. Uh, yeah, uh, up on the mountain, uh, Jeremiah gets smoked and I pull up, he's an SPSO, uh, deputy corporal time. And we get up there cause they're calling for more bear cats and more armor to come help extract bodies. So we get up there and I run into a couple of SPSO buds of mine who are SWAT guys too. And I'm like, Hey dude, who's, who are the depths? And they say the names and I'm like, huh? Well, that sucks. And that was like my emotion. Yeah. Like, okay, well that blows. And that was it. Like, that's how I processed it. It was like, well, that fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they put up a, a, a memorial statue for him up in big bear. Cause he was a big time big bear cop. Mm-hmm. And then he got down to Kaipa and, uh, cause he, you know, deputies 
for the county can float anywhere within the county. And uh, so they put up a memorial, and I remember driving by and looking at it going, that's sick. Good for him. That sucks. All right, whatever. Yeah. And driving on. And and now, like, I've gotten to work through some of that. Because I had a lot of fucking angst towards San Bernardino Sheriff's and, like, the SWAT team yeah. um, about that shit and the way it got in. I mean, everything, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, but even in the moment, we knew it was fucked up. And I think they knew it was fucked up, but you don't want to give up your investigation and uh, you don't want to have other people stepping in on it. And I get the why, but it was frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, so yeah, much better now. I mean, like I said, dude, uh, I think I communicate way better with my kids. I don't I don't just fly off the handle at them. Um, That's good. Cuss, That's great. But uh, I'm not losing my shit at them all the time. Yeah. Well, I swear at my kids too. It, they're not <laughs> at them, but around them. That exactly. <laughs> I'm not like, yeah, I'm not swearing at them, but they definitely hear the words. And Jen's always like, Jeff, knock it off. I'm like, my bad. My well, bad, my bad. We have a rule. Um, hey, if you ever need to talk to us, but you know it's going to get you in trouble, you can start the conversation off with, hey, you can't, I want to talk to you, but you can't get mad. So it doesn't mean you won't get in trouble. It just means we won't yell at you in the moment. Mm hmm. When son comes home, this was just a few months ago, uh, maybe six, seven months ago. He goes, hey, dad, can, can I talk to you? But you not get mad. I'm like, yeah, dude, let's go. So we go back to our room or my room and uh, close the door. And, and uh, he's all, dad, uh, you know, it, it scares me that you cussed at me. And I'm like, all right, which I cuss a lot. So I'm like, all right, well, what? What did I say? He goes, well, you, you called me the F word. I was like, oh, hold up, buddy. You're gonna have to give me some context uh, or a date and a time on this. <laughs> right. I've, I've never, I've never called you a bad word. I've definitely cussed at you in your direction, but I've never called you a bad word. And he, he goes, "Yeah, you called me a, an F word," and I'm like, "Nope." Tell me when that happened. So he starts to lay it out, and he goes, "Okay, well, you didn't call me the F word, but you you just said it." And I'm like, "For sure, I did, bud." So I'm like, all right, well, cool. Let's let's go down this really quick. I'm like, hey, and this was a fucking ten. I'm like, what are the what's the first thing I do when I'm getting mad with you? Hey, he goes, uh, he, he goes, uh, you give me a look, and I said, all right, well, what's that look look like? And he does it to me, and I'm like, bro, if that's the look I'm giving you, no wonder you don't fucking understand that I'm mad at you. He, oh, as only a kid can. He goes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gives me some retarded look like i'm like if that's the look i'm giving you it's understandable you don't understand i'm mad you think i'm having a fucking stroke <laughs> and, I'm dying. and i said okay cool so then what happens after that he goes will you say my name i'm like all right well how do i say it? he goes liam dean i'm like okay cool i'm like then what happens he goes you yell at me to knock it off i said all right and then what happens he goes then you cuss and i'm like cool so when you're making me mad and you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing, there's at bare minimum three layers before I get to cussing. Yes. Okay. Can we see where my cussing might come from if I have to get to the fourth layer? Yeah. Okay, cool, dude. Like, I will do my best to not swear while I'm mad, but also... Don't get me to the fourth layer. Go with the 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 I, the the stroke look. Yeah. Go with the middle name drop, and go with the knock it off and knock it off. 
Yeah. And so, you know, like getting to have like those conversations with the kids and like realizing, Hey, there is a place I need to knock some shit off. But also in that conversation, I'm like, Hey dude, you need to fear me. You need to understand that when you fuck up, I am the consequence and you're going to eat it. Yeah. Uh, that being said, you're going to fuck up and you just have to own the consequences. Does your wife ever play the heavy or is it always you? Uh, no, my wife's weak as fuck. And she knows <laughs> how to say that to her about that. She got mad one time when they were little. She goes, why don't they listen to me when I tell them to do stuff? I'm like, cause you're always too fucking busy. Like, Hey, don't do that or I'll spank you. Then you don't fucking follow through. I'm like, they know if I say I'm going to spank you, the next action is an action, not a fucking, not talking. Right. So, uh, I mean, she'll get after him and no, she'll, she'll yell for sure. Drop some F bombs, but, uh, she's definitely not nearly as bad as I am. She's not, she just, uh, chooses to go about it a little bit differently. I was going to say, just a week. I feel like it's she's gotta a be a little, a little softer than you. Yeah. hundred percent. We have a beard like this, bro. People get out of your way. <laughs> Wait, is this thing going up on YouTube? What was it, 510? <laughs> yeah. Hey, all of it. All of it. All of it. Christ. Christ, man. That's a, that's a lot to unpack, Brad. Appreciate yeah, you sharing yeah. all that that's, shit, that's, man. Like I, like, I didn't even know all that, man. Like, that's, that's fucking heavy, bro. Well, I mean, like in terms of like the calls I went to, that's like the tip of the iceberg. Um, I don't even give a shit about the calls. Just talking about you, right? Like that's well, I know. Like the calls are what like drove me into the dirt. You know, like yep. that's what I'm saying. Like that, that, that's the stuff that like started to break me down. But yeah, in terms of uh, therapy and and all those things, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty open about it. Um, I said a lot of my friends have left and a lot of my friends have gone to counseling and are um, in counseling now. And, and I'm super proud of them for getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, coming back to being like a respected member of my department, you know, like my chief and I just talked the other day and, and the guy who's probably about to be the next chief. And I talked this morning, um, you know, and they've talked to me. Uh, I mean, we talk outside of please shit, mm-hmm. but uh you know, they both want to know like, Hey, what could we be doing different on the mental health side? And I was like, look, dude, this is where I fucked up. You know, I think, uh, every year we get an evaluation. Um, but part of that evaluation needs to be going to the shrink and you don't need to know what the shrink said. We just need to bring you the piece of paper. that says I showed up to the appointment. Yeah. And I said for the first five, t- eight years, I probably wouldn't have said shit to that shrink. I said, it's a waste of my time. I'm a fucking beast. Yeah. Get out of my way. And I said, but by year nine, 10, 11, I'd have had some shit to say for sure. And, and then from there, it probably would have turned into some more regular sessions. And from there, I probably would still be a cop. Um, I would have cleaned some of that garbage out. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, and that kind of stuff. So, uh, I know they're taking big steps over there to, to make some changes. I know my first agency is taking some big steps to make some changes and, and bring more mental health stuff into the picture. Um, and not that it wasn't there to be accessed cause they always talked about it, but as well as like, okay, okay. Hey, for first sure. Sergeant, your policy. Okay. A hundred percent. Right. Like that's the, that's one of the, and it used to be like such a stigma. Right. Um, oh, he's got to go to fucking therapy. He can't handle shooting a bad guy. You know, and there's a lot of people who talk about this, right? Like how 
good it is to like just bring this shit out into the light. Um, yeah. Because you can't bear those things on your own. I don't care how fucking tough you are. I just whether it's war or whether it's fighting crime, when you touch violence, violence will touch you back one way or the other. Yeah, like there, there's no way to just not wear that in some form or fashion and like make it part of your skin. So yeah, you know, you got to find a way to fucking to shed it. Um, yeah, yeah, man. Like I, I, it's good that that department is recognizing like that your your those departments are recognizing like like that that changes need to be made and i you know i i i live in minneapolis <laughs> and or we talked <laughs> yeah and or next to it um and they're in a world of hurt right for variety of reasons um but very similarly right like uh a department filled with uh, a lot of people like you right that just wanted to be in law enforcement loved law enforcement and then got you know this you know george floyd happens right and i'm gonna do my best to not you know bumble fuck my way through this because i'm not smart enough or eloquent enough to right but that was a shit storm to say the least mm-hmm. right up here uh, you know, everybody who lives up here, who's listening to this under you know, like knows, right? Like you know, half the fucking city burned down. Um, and then you look at the department as a whole, half of the fucking department left. Yeah. For, for a hundred reasons. One, you know, the trauma of it. Right. Uh, the lack of support from the fucking city and the residents that they were, you know, sworn to protect, um, yep. rightly or wrongly. Right. I'm not gonna cast any judgment on any on anybody who's leaving or not or supporting or not, right? It's but they're they're in a ten year uphill battle, right? And all these cops that have stayed, like good on them to try and like hold it down as best they can. Um but I you know, my my brother in law, he's he was a police officer in Houston. He retired early after a, you know, a bad incident where multiple police officers were killed and, you know, he didn't feel the love and support from his city and from his staff either. And if he's listening to this and I said that wrong, I apologize. But I wonder what like happened, like, where do we go from there? And like, how do you like get out of that? Right. Because I think there's a very real recognition, um, Police are needed. <laughs> right. And I think if, if you think they are not, that's a just a, a ridiculous <laughs> opinion yeah. to hold. Uh, bad yeah. people exist. You know, they're not just, uh, you know, someone who looks different than you. They are, as you mentioned, child abusers, rapists, you know, fucking people who prey on the weak. And those people yeah. need to be uh, held in check, right? Like it's yeah. never going to get squashed out. I'm sorry. Like we don't live in fucking Nirvana. This is not a utopia, right? So there needs to be guardians at the gate, right? To, to keep them at bay. So how do you, what, I'm just curious what your thoughts are, right? Like having lived it, if you have any solutions yeah. on like how to fix this and 
because we're in a just we're just in a bad fucking spot. I feel like with respect to all those issues, you know, thrown in a blender and mixed up. In 2023, we're coming to a head. Um, You know, in the 90s, and obviously I wasn't a cop in the 90s, but in the 90s, you had the drug surge uh, really take off um, on both coasts and then obviously trickled middle America. And in there, um, the violence cracked off. And so the police were really leaned on, hey, go solve this. Yeah. And then, and I think that's where, and I could be mistaken on this, but I think that's where street justice really started to take a thing because good cops, and I'm not saying there weren't bad cops, good cops were looking at, at normal citizens being affected and they went, fuck this. The courts aren't going to do enough. And that's where street just started coming. I mean, you see it in the, like the third Friday, right? We're like, now, uh, if we catch this guy, what do you want? He's like, you know, an eye gouge baton. Oh yeah, man. An eye gouge an eye gouge and do all those chicken wing maneuvers. Right. Like they kind of make light of it, but it was a real thing. Um, fast forward to George Floyd and, um, you know, Derek Chauvin sits on him for a period of time. And now I'm going to say like, Hey, the period of time he sat on him for was too long for me for a plethora of reasons. And not because George Floyd died, but because the crowd started becoming more unruly and larger. And at this point, like we know the ambulance isn't coming into a incident like that. So we need to now get this guy away from it. The problem is, is if he's having a medical emergency, and I put him in the car and he dies in the back of my car, right? Not me sitting on him, not me anything him, mm-hmm. but through excited delirium and in any other manners that he could pass away. Um, I'm now on the limb. And so for, I understand from a police perspective, Hey, I'm going to wait here with this dude in this position until the ambulance comes. Well, the ambulance isn't going to come until the crowd disperses. Yeah. And, so really, like when you look at it, and this is my some of my frustration is every last one of those motherfuckers standing there filming and cussing at the cops and fuck you and fuck this should be in jail also for the murder of George Floyd. You stalled the ambulance by being a piece of shit and picking a fight with the cops who are arresting a dude committing a crime. Now I'm not saying that the arrest was the best arrest. I'm not saying that. Um, the actions were the best actions, but dear Lord, we have 4,000 cameras to watch a football play, to throw a flag out there to say, I want to review on the play. Mm-hmm. The whole game stops so we can review 46 perspectives before we like come up with our final, final conclusion. We as cops don't have 46 fucking cameras and we don't get a white flag. Mm-hmm. We're making decisions on the fly and then you come and start bumping us. And then this guy has a medical emergency and starts to have an anxiety attack amongst a, a drug and a drug induced episode. Sure. And it's a recipe for disaster. And obviously George Floyd shouldn't be dead today, but he also should have died the last time he got arrested when he swallowed all that fentanyl and they just happened to have Narcan on, uh, on site and brought him back to life. Mm-hmm. And so to come back full circle, um, no, I mean, there has to be a culture change in law enforcement and it has to happen on multiple levels. Number one, the, the days of old are over. Mm-hmm. Like, 
the the ghetto gunfighter isn't a thing anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say don't be a ghetto gunfighter. Like we we can't have the 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 Broward County thing. We can't have the Uvalde thing. Yeah. But again, when when you talk about that, it's from a, watching a, a a. It's from watching a, a fucking minneapolis burned down it's from watching a ferguson burn down mm-hmm. you you can't you can't tell the cops oh be heroes and charge in there and fucking kill them and then when they're charging in there and doing something you get fucking mad because there, there's an adverse consequence ultimately the bad guy has a vote in this too yeah and sometimes drugs impact that but so changing that culture of the ghetto gunfighter, like we got to get, we, we got to get that off the table to a certain extent. We still need fucking, we still need cowboys to go do cowboy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, being quicker to bring the public up to speed with what's happening. We, it, this, 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 um, and we're seeing it right now with like Joe Biden, you know, right? Like, well, we didn't release the the information until after the the elections because the the DOJ told us it was an ongoing investigation, right? For once in the, in life, sure. someone was able to use that. It's an active investigation. We're not going to talk about it. Um, but realistically, hey, there's an ongoing investigation. The the Moscow, the Idaho, uh, Moscow, Idaho uh, killings that just happened. That was an ongoing investigation with a lot of fucking nuance in it. There was a reason that they couldn't come out and give you more detail, mm-hmm. but they needed to come out and, Hey, we have some significant leads. We can't discuss them. Um, we're moving forward with this, but you had one of the victim's parents, uh, dads out there, you know, fucking police aren't doing shit. Shut the fuck up. You goddamn nerd. Your kid's dead. Go grieve your kid. Quit talking to the about how the police aren't doing shit. Mm-hmm. You don't know what we're doing. Right. Uh, I saw it with IRC. People were like so mad that it took us so long to catch the, the terrorists. And it was four hours later that they were gunfighting terrorists who just shot up IRC. Like it was insane. Yeah. Um, it, get rid of that, that like, hey, ghetto gunfighter and, and being more transparent. I think the other side of it, dude, is on the community side. And it was funny listening to Anna talk today um, because, and then this is, a, you know, this is just in general. And that is when everybody's a victim, who's the hero? Yeah. Not everything can be a microaggression. Sure. Not everything can be a racist toned, undertoned thing. Like if it's racist, we need to call that out. But because I I chastise you or because I pull you over, bro, the fucking vehicle code book, it's 5,000 fucking pages long. I wish I had one to show you. Like it's, you can't grip it. It's huge. The number of violations, but what do I always hear? Well, I wasn't speeding. Okay, well, there's more than speed guy yeah and if we're gonna get it i wasn't speeding well were you violating prima facie or unsafe speed laws because those are two different things you know uh so when people start to get past the hey i'm a victim um i i think and again that's not just a race thing that's an everything thing but when you finally finally get past like i'm being victimized and the police are more transparent And the community is doing their part in policing. They all want the police to do the job, but they don't want to fucking see police doing jobs. And, and at the end of the day, I'm here to say violence is violent. 
Um, you know, if you cross a, a crazy person who's tweaked on meth also, and they just don't want to comply, you can do all the deconfliction you want. Sometimes you got to put a knuckle to their forehead and put them on the ground. And that sucks to say, because I've been there doing it. Hey man, what's your name? Hey Jeff, nice to meet you. I'm Brad. When's the last time you've eaten? Like I've done all the deconfliction stuff. Sometimes you just have to jack a dude. Yeah. Yeah. And and it doesn't pretty ever. Right. And that's the, uh, I'm struggling to come up with a word here, but it's the, we, we, we fail to recognize police officers are human too. Right. And they just want to go home as well. Right. Right. And so like we all do, like we all just want to go home at the end of the day. Right. I, I, I give safety briefings at my very non-dangerous job, uh, by, by, uh, definite, you know, if we're comparing uh, danger, right. It's not dangerous. Um, but you know, I always ended, I want you to go home in the same condition you came to me. Right. Right. And it's a very easy thing, uh, when we were in the military to be like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Right. If you don't comply, you know, bang, bang. Right. Right. And it's so much more nuanced as a police officer I I can't I I don't know where we go and how we get there because that it feels like that's failed to be recognized like that there are people who are just trying to get home to their families they don't want to do x y or z whatever it may right. be either they just just yeah just and yes you're absolutely right we got to weed out the bad guys Right, like the bad, because there's bad fucking operators in any profession in the world. <laughs> it's, it's even in the military, like there were shitty ones that sucked, that had no business being there, that took advantage of rules, that you know treated others like shit, that you know abused their power. You name it, right? Same in my industry. Same in yep. you know cattle ranching, right? Like, yep. <laughs> there's in every industry, and so it's like, how do you? And I'm asking a question that I know there's not an answer to, you know, how do we, how do we, how do we figure that out? And I, well, I want and I think here's the thing that people don't think about, right? So here I was 22 as a cop, right? And I, I come across my first schizophrenic person who's in, in, in a manic, a manic state with drugs inducing some of this, or at least uh, um, making it worse, right? Yeah. And not college educated. The most education I have is high school in the United States Army. Um, and you're asking me to treat a manic schizophrenic who also has drugs on board. And if you put that in perspective of that is a psychiatrist, a, 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 uh, psychologist at minimum a psychiatrist more likely who has how many years of of college to get to a doctorate level um medical you're you're asking a 22 year old kid to make that decision and to deal with that situation and by the way my my uh mental health class i took in the academy was was an eight-hour block or a 14-hour you know it it was not a a period of time yeah it really minutes in an hour right and um you and then so i cleared that one and hey there's this dog running around and it's chasing people 
So now you want this 22 year old kid or, you know, let's fast forward. I'm, I'm a 30 something year old man. Uh, you know, um, Hey, go find this dog and catch it. Uh, okay. Right. <laughs> this right. is what I signed up for. And then, Hey, um, I rent my house out and these guys won't leave. Yep. Cool. Have you started the eviction process? No, but you need to go talk to them because they're punching holes in the wall. <clears throat> Okay. Well, hi, Jeff, you're not allowed to punch holes in this wall because it's not yours. Well, it is mine. I rent it. Well, per your landlord, you don't. Okay. Well, until I'm evicted, I do. You're right. You're not wrong. You're right. Right. And, and so like you're, you're, you're taxing cops and you're tasking cops to do all these, these different functions. Yeah. And, and really, if you think about like Sir Robert Peel, he was the grand, the godfather of, of policing. And one of the things he was famous for saying was police are just doing full time what all citizens are supposed to be doing all the time. Mm-hmm. And we ever went back to that where Jeff Heinrich works through a problem set, you know, with his neighbor and, and resolves this problem without the police. Correct. But no, like people just want the police to be the answer. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a call where it started to turn sideways. I'm not even talking about like beating the fuck out of somebody. I'm talking about like a quick wrestling session into handcuffs, right? Like nobody got punched. Nobody got kicked. Nobody got tased. It just turned into a a ground fight uh, for position and submission into handcuffs. And you hear the person, this isn't what I wanted. Well, then don't call me, bitch. You know, and being in my mental state at the time, these are words that I've said, you know, yeah. many a person that don't fucking call me dumb shit. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so then we go, okay, cool. We go down that defund the police uh, thing. Right. And, and Hey, we don't need to defund the police, but we need to put psychiatrists. Well, does a, a, so now let's reverse the roles. Cool. Here's that doctor that we talked about earlier. And it's a, a a manic schizophrenic person who's getting violent. Do you really think the fucking MD wants to walk up and confront this dude? No. Who are they going to fucking call and ask to stand behind them to make sure if it goes south, there's someone there to protect them? The fucking police officer with the goddamn gun, taser, baton, OC spray. And so if the manic person attacks them, what's going to happen? gun baton taser oc spray like yeah like we can complain till the heavens and i agree i really wish that when i showed up on a a 5150 call shit was easy but now we're back to reality because if it was easy the bible would read significantly different and then i said hey children be good mm-hmm. and i didn't fight the earth i didn't send plagues i didn't send an angel of death like the bible would read a lot differently for sure for sure. Um, and so dude, it's, it's one of those ones where, I mean, dude, the police have a lot of work to do to regain uh, community trust. And I'm not taken away from that. There's a lot of things we can do different to be better. Simultaneously, the public has to be a lot better. They need to understand like, Hey, yeah. you are a part of the problem. 100%. When you surround the police and scream and yell, Oh my God, you're racist. Okay, but now the ambulance isn't coming, so this dude's done. Yeah. And I can't get off him because he's going to run away, and I have to chase him. Right. Right? Like, So it, it's one of those – there's a lot of, like, two-way streets here that have to happen. Um, 
and and really i think a big part of it and this is both sides this is police and and the community is bro this is to the veteran community could be a fucking victim yeah you could you can be proud of your service and not need to be thanked. You can be proud of your service and not need a discount. You can be proud of your service and not be a victim because you have PTSD. Like, yeah, you went to war. I don't care fuck if you're a supply clerk. If you have PTSD, you have PTSD. Also, you don't need to fucking be a victim about it. You can go, hey, man, I'm, I'm really glad I got the opportunity to serve. Um, war touched me back, and, and I'm just grateful to be here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't need to be thanked. I hate it with my heart and soul being thanked for joining the military. I'm like, no, I, I, I literally, I went to the office and signed the piece of paper. I didn't get kidnapped at the fucking bar and dropped off at the port. <laughs> In that scenario, yes, thank me for my service. Yeah, yeah. I sought this position out. Um, for sure. But dude, until we get rid of the victim mentality, I don't know how a lot of this changes. Right. Yeah, I, w- I think about that a lot because I don't know either. It's not just the police's problem. It's not just the community's problem. It's all of our problem, and we all got to, like, fucking kind of, like, step up and realize, like, we're all in this shit together. Bro, basic training, I think we'd gotten to OSUT, and it was we'd gotten to go to a movie and so we're walking back from the movies and it's dark and a car comes slow rolling up by where like the first sergeant's offices were bro. And as it rolls, you fucking turn and mean mug it all the way down the street. And I'm like, I'm trying to get distance from you, bro, into the bush. So I'm like, <laughs> this fucking moron's about to get a shot. I don't, do they not have gun violence in fucking Minnesota? I'm like, what is this fucking idiot? doing? So, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Here's here's the deal. It's a very Minnesotan thing. Um, staring at other cars when they pass you by. I feel like that's really dangerous. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, having lived other places now, I recognize how ridiculous it is that we do it. But everyone up here does it, brother. Really? Like it? Like somebody passes you on the interstate? I mean, it's a hard. You're looking out the left side of your window. Like, who the fuck's passing me? Like, no one. It's just another person driving a car. Quit fucking staring at them. Everybody really? fucking does it, dude. It's so weird. Bro, I really feel like, hey, do not go to L.A. because that's not going to yeah, end well. Yeah, no. Having traveled around the country now yeah, yeah. and recognized and recognizing, like, how ridiculous of a move that is that we do up here, I don't know why we do it. I really don't. It's alpha as fuck. It's alpha as fuck. I'm going to say that. <laughs> also, fuck, dude. Yeah. Sorry. I, I know we were solving world problems and we were right right on no. the cusp and I changed the subject. But no, it was... it, when you said that, made me think of you fucking me mugging that car. And just, I remember like being in a panic, like, oh, fuck. Three, two, one. Incoming. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad you changed the subject. See, I didn't know how we were going to get off of that. I, I really didn't. Because like, we could talk about it for fucking hours. So. Uh, and still not yeah and i lord knows i don't want to talk about it for hours my name is jeff (laughs) (laughs) fucking idiot a hundred percent i'm still an idiot always will be my man um to the time that you fucking almost locked my tooth out but busted out my uh busted out my stitches in my mouth yeah you want to tell that story happened there well I forget who challenged who to a wrestling match. 
I okay. feel like it was you. I feel like I was sitting peacefully on the couch. Um, <laughs> and you had like gotten out of the shower and you would always like, I don't know. I felt like if, if my memory is correct, you just like, you had, uh, gotten dressed or something and you would like come over and you just like started fucking with me. And I was like, quit fucking with me or I'm going to fuck you up. And you're like, you ain't going to fuck shit up. And so like, I got up and like, we just started wrestling and you know, we would, you know, we switched positions a couple times back and forth and whatever. And, you know, eventually like, you know, your fucking tooth popped out and then you started crying about it. And I was like, well, quit fucking with me. Okay. First and foremost, now your version. It was a scramble. Um, number two, I don't recall the crying part. Uh, I don't know what led up to it in terms of like popping out of the shower, but guaranteed I picked that fight without a shadow of a doubt. hundred uh, percent. It was right after it was one, it was right after my wisdom teeth had been pulled out. Yep. And because it was at uh, Ireland hospital or whatever the fuck dentist office, it was some nerd student that did it. And the, all the Novocaine and stuff that they used to like, you know, dumb it up or numb it up had worn off bro and they were cracking my jaw to like break teeth out it was fucking miserable <laughs> and this was like the next day so like i was still swollen as fuck like a chipmunk it fucking hurt and I, guaranteed I, I i'm not gonna say you're sitting on that couch peacefully i i refuse to acknowledge that you were probably you were probably irritating me by watching fucking nascar because that's the the lamest thing on the planet to watch besides anything Minnesota sports related. Oh, and, how dare you? And, and so I, I definitely though, 100% shipped my teeth at you. We got, there were several scrambles and you cross faced me and popped like one of the stitches in my mouth. I was spitting blood. Everywhere. You were. Yeah. Like again, you came, you came at me, man. Like I had to tie you up. Okay, but you never did that. But you're a good wrestler. Like I will give you I will give you that. Like it was never easy wrestling with you. We fought good. They yeah. were fun. They were they were good battles. Um when when you and Rock twisted me up, uh we went to some gal's apartment, I think like in Indiana. And uh, we were going to go to a, like a local dive bar and you and rock started fucking with me. So I started fighting both of you and you guys tore the crotch out of my pants. And so I had to go to a bar with my fucking pants torn, like up to my fucking belt line. And there, I was like, dude, can I go like this? And the chick was like, yeah, it's cool. It's you, when you get there, you'll see you're not pulling tail there. Cause you don't want the tail. And I got there and I was like, Oh, you're right. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> a tooth thank god yeah there there were a lot of bars around there that you uh did not want to walk you wanted to leave the exact condition you went into that bar in (laughs) worried about disease yeah how about all the thoroughbreds dude i haven't no one's heard this story or these stories so thoroughbred one through nine yeah so kentucky's a weird place um it's the bourbon capital of the world yeah yep. but there's only two wet counties in kentucky the rest mm-hmm. of them are dry and you can't drink in them but they'll make bourbon there 
Um, also, there's a highway going from Louisville to Fort Knox called Dixie Highway. And we just nicknamed it Dixie Dieway. Tons of strip clubs on there. Obviously, they're you know they're targeting military people, and it was called Thoroughbreds. Obviously, after you know the fucking racehorses, and instead of being creative, they just went Thoroughbreds one through nine, and it's about a forty mile stretch. But there is a stretch where you can see from the parking lot of Thoroughbreds three, <laughs> Thoroughbreds four and five. Yes, and like Starbucks. Yeah, it's it literally it's like a Starbucks, White Castle, McDonald's, you name it, right? It's a it, they're like fucking gas stations, and when <laughs> it's a rite of passage, you have to like go into one at one point, and you go in there, and you're like, holy shit! This is a this is a D class. What the fuck? Yeah, well, fucking yeah, definitely not. You know top rated by any stretch of the imagination, but you're more worried about like your own health when you walk in there. Like, am I going to get, uh, hep- breathing it? Yeah. Am I going to get hep A, hep, you know, hep C, you know, fucking syphilis, gonorrhea just by sitting in a chair. It is disgusting. And there's always only one stripper working. Yes. Right. And so like, if you don't like the one at her thoroughbreds three, you would go to thoroughbreds four. And what always blew my mind is there were always cars in the parking lot. A shit ton of them. It was never two or three. It was Awful. 15 or 20. Awful. The entire platoon. Awful. God. I wonder if those still exist. I, I hope and pray. <laughs> Just so people have the experience. <laughs> well it, the experience like it, it gives me a sense of like security like hey cool the world can be better you know uh jesus will walk the earth again like it just gives me like it gives me hope that life will be okay again because thoroughbreds I, I, how many were there a lot there was a lot a lot there were for sure more than five and they're all pink yep <sighs> Yeah, with no, the red thoroughbred uh, neon sign. Yeah, it's just. Did it, you go with me on that? Uh, I know you and Rock were talking about that fight, and I had to laugh because that was after I left. But were you with me when we went to Louisville for a country concert, uh, and Wild Turkey was hosting it, and they gave you two free drinks, um, and then after that you were on your own, but you had to go in Class A's. No, I missed that one. So, uh, everyone, welcome to Mandatory Fun, where you're going to go do what the fucking army tells you to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's fun, but mostly it's not. <clears throat> and even when it is fun, it's definitely still not. And so we all got in our Class A's. I had my uh, my Stetson on. I had my Spurs. And we get bussed out to Louisville. And we get, like, bussed and, like, taken into this uh, – area that wild turkey had cordoned off and we got two drink tickets i'm like two fucking drink tickets this is garbage like and you got your two free uh your two drink tickets and after that you had to spend money but soda was free and i'm like this is fucking trash like i'm not getting drunk on two tickets and why am i coming out here in my class a's i'm not spending my fucking money bro then the two drinks come out and it's just wild turkey but in a very large solo cup and they're both talking off and i'm like <laughs> Oh, sick. So I am getting drunk. Sweet sodas. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm pouring, like, you know, Dr. Pepper, and they're like a scope. Bro, it's killing all carbonation. I'm getting lit. 
and I'm having a great time. So now because I'm drunk, my dance moves were on point and obviously my buddies and I flow out of there and, and start going to bars and, uh, you know, lo and behold, kind of what you and Rocket talked about, uh, my buddy Marty gets his Stetson taken and chucked. Oh, and no. I'm going that way to go fight him because I'm like, oh, cool. We're, yeah. someone has to die. Yeah, we're fighting now. Someone from a different platoon comes running up and donkey punches one of them. And this bar fight cracks off. And I'm getting hauled off. I get like two swings in. I'm getting hauled off going, what the fuck is happening right now? But I was curious if you guys had been there because I know you guys weren't with me if you were. No. But uh, that that incident when you guys were talking about that had me dying about mandatory fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the army ball. Also, uh, you were a fucking dork. A fucking dork Ooh. for winning Soldier of the Year. Thank you. Also, that, that was sick as fuck. Um, hey, you want to But I it? really think you're a piece of shit. Thanks. You... You got to stay home the entire month. I had to keep going out to the fucking FTXs in the field with those stupid <laughs> lieutenants. Uh, hey, lieutenant, uh, how are, what's your seven-paragraph order going to say here? Uh, let's walk through this, huh? Yep. And, and train them on dumb shit, and they're like, uh, you know what, Jeffrey? Don't shave. Don't clean your balls. Just sit in the apartment and study the flashcards. That's Fuck great, you. and I golfed. The golf, yeah, that was how you uh, you, you got free time to uh, fix your brain, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Hey, it had its perks, man. Being soldier of the year has its perks, bro. This is before you were soldier of the year, uh, but yeah, I you're a piece of shit, and thank you, I stand by that. Thank you, I appreciate it. I stand, I'm hanging on to that one, Ross. Take it to him, he's a piece of shit. I have Ross can't say shit. <laughs> He knows better. Bro, Ross was like, hey, pay me a million dollars to be your bodyguard. I was like, Ross, this is a terrible thing. Just because Ross, or just because Rocky runs up and sucker punches people and wins on a sucker punch, <laughs> he's not bodyguard material. He's small as fuck. <laughs> not the dude. The dude hasn't touched a gun in years. He's not the dude you need. Oh man! So I think one of my next three threesomes will be you and Rocky. <laughs> I'm not sure I'll say four words in that podcast. I'll just the look. problem is I want that to be in person because there won't be four words said. There's gonna be a lot of fighting, a lot of background noise, of shit getting pushed around, yeah. and uh, well, there will be fun. Well, he's going on his 40th birthday tour, so maybe we'll make right. a stop in Ohio or Idaho. And then yeah. Ohio and pick up fucking Lohmeyer. <laughs> Bro, there's a dude. I would love to see Sean Lohmeyer again. Uh, uh, yeah, I got to ask more questions about that that hit and run traffic collision he was in that his parents went and rescued him. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking dumb, dude. So dumb. All right, brother. We're pushing uh, two plus. Most, I feel like uh, we came super close to solving world peace. Uh, we missed, but yeah. we were close. Yeah, we. Uh, we we dabbled. We dabbled. We dabbled. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, appreciate you for being on. I love you. Yeah. Good it catching a, up. It was a fun run, man. Thank you. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to do this again because this was wild, to say the well, least. Well, tell Rock he's a fucking pussy and he's small as fuck. Will do. Well, he's going to listen to it. So, All right. No, he won't. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. He he only listens to the episodes he's on. Um, yeah, for everybody else, appreciate you checking it out. It means a lot. Like, comment, share, subscribe. You know, do your thing. Uh, but otherwise, everybody why be good. What's that? Listen, why were you reading from a script? I'm not. There's literally no words in front of me. Okay. Be good, everybody. Okay.